Please uh, turn in your copies of the scriptures to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6, actually. We are preparing as a church to, um, to call someone. We have a unique process. It's not the only process. There are many legitimate processes in, the, uh, in Scripture and in history to call people to the ministry. But I, I want to back up from that a little bit and just think about the call of God. Who is called? Are you called? Uh, I, I was actually going to remember and bring three by five cards and ask you that question, then ask you to turn them in. And if there's anybody who would have said no, I would have wanted to visit with them. Like, it, is this a true statement? Let me put it like this. Is it a true statement to say that if you belong to the kingdom of Jesus, you are called to work in that kingdom? Is that true? You believe that? Louder? And the reason is because sometimes we don't live like that. We think, well, I'm not, my gift isn't recognized, or maybe whatever. So if it's true that you all are called, and by the way, I have had a number of really good discussions with some of you who are wrestling with whether to put your name in, in the nomination process over the last week, and what what was so um, encouraging in those conversations is that all of you felt like you had a place that, that you wanted to give in the church. So think about this. If all of you are called to work in the kingdom of God, all of you have a call. All of you have a, every believer has a general call. Let's just call it that. A general call to be um, a part of the kingdom. And then you all have a specific call Right now, whatever you're doing. And, and it can change. It can change as you live more of life, as your circumstances around you change. It can change the way you live out that call. But all of you have this deep call to serve the kingdom of Jesus in a specific way that is unique to you. Let me say that again. All of you are called to serve the kingdom of Jesus in a unique way that is specific to you. God created you exactly the way you are with a set of gifts, talents, personalities, um, physical features, gender, for this time and space. And, by the way... um, I, was, I, was, I thought about using this, but I, I chose to use the passage from Judges here, but Esther, when, when she's wrestling with what, she's, what she needs to do for the kingdom of God, her uncle says to her, who knows but that you are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then he goes on, though, and says, and this is putting in my own words, but if you're not going to do it, God is some way going to deliver his people. He will send someone to deliver his people. And in essence, he's telling Esther, step up, this is your time, but also, God, I have enough faith that God is going to deliver our people and he's not bound to one person. 
Now, there is something beautiful in that, uh, but, but so if all of you are called to, to serve the kingdom of Jesus in a specific way that is unique to you, then, then what does that mean as, as, we, as you give to the church? And because we're at Providence in our current season of life, all of us, not just Narita and I, or not just me, but all of us here, it is clear in the New Testament that God intends our gifts to be worked out within the context of, of the church and the broader church of Jesus. So you're living in Holmes County for a reason. You might not like it here. You might not want to be here. But you're here! Do you know what, you know what, the, you know what the hardest people are to live around? People who don't want to be what they are and what they're doing and, and where they're at in life. They're hard to live around. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't try to change or move. Or, you know, I, I do not believe, as do most of my Amish friends, that, that whoever we call next week is bound and stuck here for the rest of their lives. I, I just don't... It's the New Testament is clear that that... They ordained leaders and then they moved them. They moved. God moved them around. That can happen. It's okay. There's freedom in that. There's freedom to serve in the kingdom. And I also think that that when you live out of your space of calling, there is a it's not easy. It's never easy. Like we need I need to stop me, Marcus. I need to stop looking for easy. And look for calling. Because if we really do live well in the kingdom, we will be opposed. This is a fascinating portion of Scripture, a fascinating story in Scripture. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take the time, I'll try to keep the other side of the Scripture reading short, um, but I'm going to take the time to read this story. One of the things that struck me is that we, we know these stories, but sometimes it's just really good to be reminded. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible, uh, Judges 6. Follow along with me. The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord handed them over to Midian seven years, and they oppressed Israel. Because of Midian, the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and the Kadamanites came and attacked them. They encamped against them, and destroyed the produce of the land, even as far as Gaza. They left nothing for Israel to eat, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For the Midianites came with their cattle in their tents, like a great swarm of locusts. They and their camels were without number, and they entered the land to lay waste to it. So Israel became poverty-stricken because of Midianite, and the Israelites cried out to the Lord. When the Israelites cried out to him because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to them. He said to them, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. I rescued you from the power of Egypt and the power of all who pressed you. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorite whose lands you live in, but you did not obey me. The angel of the Lord came, and he sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizurite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress 
in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all the, his wonders that our, father told, our fathers told us about? They said, Hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have, and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. He said to him, Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's family. But I will be with you, the Lord said to him. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. Then he said to them, If I have found favor with you, give me a sign that you are speaking with me. Please do not leave this place until I return to you. Let me bring my gift and set it before you. Then he said, I will stand till you return. So Gideon went and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from a half bushel of flour. He placed the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak tree. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat with the unleavened bread, put it on this stone, and pour the broth on it. So he did that. The angel of the Lord extended the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire came up from the rock and consumed the meat and unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from sight. When Gideon realized that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Oh, no, Lord God, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Don't be afraid, for you will not die. So Gideon built an altar for the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. It is still in Ophrah of the Abazarites today. On that very night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull and a second bull, seven years old, then tear down the altar of Baal that belongs to your father and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Build a well-constructed altar to the Lord your God on top of this mound. Take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his male servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his father's family and the men of the city to do it in the daytime, he did it at night. When the men of the city got up in the morning, they found Baal's altar torn down and the Asherah pole beside it cut down. And the second bull offered up on the altar that had been built. They said to each other, Who did this? After they made a thorough investigation, they say, Gideon, the son of Joash, did it. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son. He must die because he tore down Baal's altar and cut down the Azurah pole beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead Baal's case for him? Would you save him? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If he is God, let him plead his own case because someone tore down his idol. To that day he was called Jeroboam. Since Joash has said, let Baal contend with him, because he tore down his altar. All the Midianites, Amalekites, and Kadamites gathered together, crossed over the Jordan, and camped in the Jezreel Valley. Then the Spirit of the Lord enveloped Gideon, and he blew the ram's horn, and the Abizarites rallied behind him. He sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh who rallied behind him. He also sent messengers through Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, who also came to meet him. Then Gideon said to God, if you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you said, I will put a wool fleece here on the threshing floor. If dew is only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, 
I will know that you will deliver Israel by my strength, as you said. And that is what happened. When he got up early in the morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung dew out of it, filling a bowl with water. Gideon said to the Lord, Don't be angry with me. Let me speak one more time. Please allow me to make one more test with the fleece. Let it remain dry and dew be all over the ground. That night, God did as Gideon requested. Only the fleece was dry and dew was all over the ground. That's an amazing story. And what makes the story so amazing is the humanity of Gideon. First of all, when the angel of the Lord comes, by the way, I want to read the first few verses there, verses 1 to 10, to help you catch up with you the cycle that Israel has been under. And whenever a prophet of God spoke to Israel, he always reminded them of two things. I am the Lord your God, and I am the one who delivered you in the past. I delivered you from Egypt, from the power of Egypt. You were slaves, and I delivered you. You became free, but it was me who did that. So Gideon is threshing wheat. In their world, they threshed wheat by either flailing it with a flail. You know what a flail is. It's two sticks with a a rope or a piece of leather, um, and then you you beat the wheat. Uh, So you took one end of that and you beat the wheat. Or the other way they did it was, uh, was by running donkeys over it or animals, light animals over it, or themselves treading it, and that would break the wheat and chaff apart from each other. But they only thrashed on top of hills because of the wind. They wanted the wind to blow the chaff away. Where is Gideon threshing wheat? Where is he threshing wheat? In a wine press. What's a wine press? A wine press is a hole in the ground that's about head high. They would dump grapes in there, and then you went in there with your bare feet, and you mashed the grapes, and there's a pipe that took the grape juice away. So the, the, and, and notice what, the, what does the angel of the Lord tell Gideon? Hey, you're thrashing wheat in a wine press, you. What does he tell him? You valiant warrior, you're in hiding. There's, this, there's these pieces here that we often know. But it struck me when I read that story how God uses people, ordinary people. Gideon is as ordinary as they come, as scared as they come. And yet God comes down, and he's, he doesn't see Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. What he sees is who Gideon will become. What he sees is who Gideon will become. So when God calls you, when God calls you to the work of the kingdom, whatever that is, including one of you next week, when he calls you to the specific works of the kingdom, he is is saying, I don't see the scared, lonely uh, person that is in hiding. What I see is who you will become. And that is, by the way, that, that is, uh, that's freeing. I, I, just, I was just so struck. The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. And, and again, I don't think God is spotting. I don't think the angel of the Lord is spotting Gideon. He's not spotting him. He is saying, I see what you will become. And my hand is going to be upon you. So you don't have to have it all together. 
And, and notice um, what else it says. Notice then almost immediately Gideon says, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are the, his wonders that our father told us about? And the Lord turned to him in verse 14 and said, Go in the strength that you have. Go with what you have. Give what you have. You know what? There, there, there are all kinds of self, uh, self-help and development courses and books and teachers and coaches and all that out there. It doesn't mean we shouldn't partake of those. I'm not suggesting that. You should continue to grow. But sometimes when you look at, at all of those, you think, boy, I've just, I have so far to go. You know what? The people that God uses are people who are willing to acknowledge, I have so far to go. That's who God uses. People who have it all together never grow. Uh, now, wait. I should say that differently. People who think they have it all together. There is a difference. The people who think they have it all together really don't have it together. So, he chose an ordinary man, just like you and I, and he says, I chose you because I see who you will become. In verse 16, then, he tells him, I, I want to just, again, and, and this is true for all of us in whatever calling God has for us, including our ordination next week. He said to him, please, Lord, verse 15, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's family. And notice what the Lord said. But I will be with you. There's something powerful in that when we can embrace the fact that Jesus is with us. So we don't have to have it all together. What we have to do is say, Lord, I need your help. Lord, thank you for seeing who I can be. I need your help to become that. So he chose an ordinary person. And then God calls Gideon to do something really unique. He says, now I want you to go out and this is, Gideon's first, first battle is not with the Midianites. Gideon's first battle isn't with the Midianites. It's right in his home territory. It is the altar that his father had set up. It is the sins of his own family. The place where Gideon had worshipped the false god Baal. Most likely. And God says, now I want you to confront your fears. I'm going to be with you. I want you to go out. And, and I, I, I never noticed it until this time of the story. I always envisioned Gideon kind of sneaking around outside and finding these two bulls. It says he took ten men with him. He took ten of his ma- uh, servants with him. So he, Gideon, eleven men. And think about the faith of these ten men. Now they're slaves probably or, or his employees. And he says, I want... Come on, come with me. Tonight we're going to meet it at 7 o'clock at dark. We're going to meet at dark tonight, and we're going to, we're going to do, do something. What are we going to do, Gideon? My, 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 just come. Just be ready. And they show up. These ten men. They show up, and they cut down. The, the, and, and by the way, this takes as much faith as facing the Midianites. Because it is, it is right at home. And sometimes God... Sometimes the, the passage, a prophet is forsaken in his own country. That's where he's most forsaken. So, sometimes that is very true. 
But sometimes we need to do the, the small things of, of dealing with our own fears and idolatry at home. And I don't, I don't mean in your house, but in, in the place where, where God has called you. See, I think that what gave the Israelites the potential to follow Gideon is his willingness to do this. What gave the, the Israelites the potential to follow Gideon is his willingness to do this, to cut down the false places in his own life. And by the way, he does it at dark. It doesn't condemn him for doing it dark. Uh, it, it more gives the idea that he did this. Um, this was, he says he was afraid. And, and let me catch that. Verse 27, So Gideon took ten of his male servants and did as the Lord had told him, but because he was too afraid of his father's family and the men of the city to do it in the daytime, he did it at night. You know, there's something really comforting in that passage. I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to have everything. You know, what, when God calls me to something, sometimes I don't get it right. But at the end of the day, what he calls us to, he calls us to do. So Gideon is an ordinary man, a scared, ordinary Israelite who faces his fears in his home country. He, he deals with the idolatry of his people, and he becomes a conquering warrior. Now, so often we want to start at the conquering warrior. And in, in some ways, all of our lives are in this cycle of this. Think about a circle, a cycle like this. God calls us to something. We're scared. We acknowledge those fears. He gives us strength. We move through them imperfectly, but we move through them and we, we become somebody who he wanted us to do, and we take our place, our rightful place in the kingdom, and bring the change necessary, and then it takes us into the next cycle, like that. It happens over and over again in the apostles' lives. It happens over and over again in these Old Testament heroes' lives. It happens over and over again. So whatever God is calling you today, if you're faithful in that, be, be assured that he will call you to something more in the future. Now, I, I don't know what to do with the fleeces. I don't know what to do with them. He's not condemned for saying, I'm going to make really, really sure. God, in his sovereignty, smiles. I, I, at least that's what I envision, and sends a heavy dew. And then God, in his providence, smiles and sends a dry spot in that heavy. You know, it's just like, oh boy, I haven't quite dared to do this. God, if you've really called me to the ministry, I'm going to lay a fleece out if it's dry tomorrow morning. You know, okay, so we live in a different time. Maybe it is the Spirit of God is in us. Maybe the sense of calling that he's given us, that maybe we lay out fleeces in different ways. I think we often do. God, if this is really from you, you open the doors. And then when those doors open, we say, God, now are you really sure that's the right door opening? That's the same way Gideon did. And God didn't condemn him for that because God understood something about Gideon. God understood that Gideon didn't have foresight. He didn't have the foreknowledge. He didn't know what was going to happen. And he's a human, and so God is just with him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, it says. And that's the power. The power that Gideon then moves into is that power. 
So I think that we actually do lay out fleeces. And it's easy for us to be hard on Gideon, but um, basically what Gideon was saying is, I'm unwilling to move unless you show me that you're involved. I'm unwilling to move ahead unless you show me that you're in this, God. And I can't fault Gideon for that. In fact, I want the very same thing. What call has God placed on your life? What specific space in the ecology of the kingdom of God are you called to fill? And what is it that you're... And he he says... Dwindle, you valiant warrior, while you're driving. I'll use myself here. Marcus, you valiant warrior, as I'm driving down the road trying to distract myself with podcasts and audio books and all these kind of things, said, you valiant warrior, I want you to do this today. And I'm like, God, I know, I can't. Am I the only person that that happened, you know? Yeah, we're all at this place. So next week end we're going to place that the church is going to recognize a specific call. And it will feel to some of us, like to some of you, I'm on this side of it, but to some of you it, it might feel like, well, God, where was I? And if you feel that, acknowledge it to Jesus. Just acknowledge it to Jesus. I remember I was really young. Our our church, we had just helped start in Martinsburg, had an ordination. I felt a sense of call for uh, most of my Christian life. And in that ordination, um, we left the evening service, and I kept waiting for the phone to ring, and it didn't. And there was something inside of me that said, well, I must not be good enough. I must not have what it takes. I must have said something wrong. Whatever. And you know what? Uh, God chose the right man in that ordination. And a few years later, we were licensed then. But God took us to a different took me to a different space after that. And it was the most beautiful, it's a beautiful part of my journey. So sometimes when, when calls are recognized in a church, it's easy, when someone else's call is recognized in a church, it's easy to think, well, mine must not be as valid. Let me tell you, God has brought you to Providence for such a time as this, and therefore that means that we need you and your gifts in this church for this time. And you are as valuable as who will be ordained. Now, if you are the one who will be called this coming Sunday morning, uh, when we call you on Friday evening, you're going to begin feeling this cycle. You're going to begin to say, but for us, me, why me? Like, are, are we sure about this? Should I have left my name on the list? Uh, 
Or you'll say, well, maybe you'll say, well, finally. <laughs> uh, and and that be healthy. But, but sometime in that weekend process, you're going to feel this kind of feeling like, oh, I'm not ready for this. And in that moment, what you need to say is, I am a valiant warrior called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And therefore, God doesn't see me as this kind of broken, messy person now. He sees who I will become. And there is, see, that is the beauty of, of walking with Jesus, is, is we're not bound to what we have done or what we're doing today, but we're free to walk with him. And in that, we bring the Spirit of God to move and bear upon in the world in a beautiful way. Let's stand together.